I invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles with me to two places. First, if you would uh, take your Bible and turn to Proverbs 3, and then once you've found that, maybe put a marker there, and turn back with me to Genesis 18, Genesis chapter 18. So Proverbs 3 and Genesis 18. And this is a far from an annual practice on my part, as those of you who've been here for years uh, know. But uh, we are going to take a break today from our series in Corinthians to take up the matter du jour on this occasion of Father's Day. You heard me mention before several times the three-legged stool of faithful covenant parenting, the legs on which faithful biblical parenting takes place, and particularly today because we're talking to our fathers, but uh, certainly this applies to mothers as well, but uh, the legs on which biblical fathering must stand in no particular order, discipline, example, and instruction. Discipline, example, and instruction. A father must discipline his children. This we learn even from the Lord's own gracious dealings with us, don't we? Haven't we? I hope you have. If we're not disciplined, we're bastards. But uh, as it is, the Father of Spirits loves us too much to leave us without chastisement. So the discipline which with which God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness, the Scripture says, there's a mouthful, also actually serves to confirm that we are His children. When God disciplines us, it proves that we're his children. Thank God that he does not leave off discipline. And God's instrument for applying his heavenly discipline to us in our youth is normally, according to the scriptures, our earthly fathers. So it is in the matter of The Father's example, as our Heavenly Father is our example, all of our example, that we should follow in His steps. For instance, loving our enemies, Jesus says in His Sermon on the Mount, following the example of our Father who causes the sun to rise on the evil, who causes His rain to fall on the unjust, as well as the just. So our earthly fathers direct their children's feet in the path of blessing, of covenant blessing, by blazing the trail with their own feet. By their example, showing, not merely telling their children. But tell them, you must, gentlemen, tell them, that is, teach them. Teaching means communicating to your children with words, instructing, commanding, exhorting, correcting. That's the third leg of the stool, and it's what we consider this morning after we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the fact that you have taught us, and you have disciplined us, and you have set the example for us, and the one who is also called our Father, our uh, everlasting Father, Jesus Christ, has also shown us in his devotion to worship and the Sabbath day, to his uh, devotion to your word and to hearing it, but not only hearing it, proclaiming it and living it, and even applying discipline as needed 
Father, we thank you for these examples, and we ask for the grace to follow in them now. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin with the passage from Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Remembering, by the way, that God has just made a covenant with Abraham to be his God and the God of his children. It was all part and parcel of the same covenant, and part of that package was the sign of the covenant. Now today, the sign of the covenant is baptism, but while the outward sign has changed, the significance The significance has not. God makes the same promise to us, fathers, as he did to Abraham. In fact, it is the Abrahamic promise continuing down the lines of our generations to be God to us and to our children. But now in the very next chapter, God tells Abraham how it is that those promises will be realized, by what instrument in God's hand He causes the blessings of his covenant to continue from one generation to the next. Listen for it in Genesis 18, 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Now to Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. A few years ago, a man came into a well-known pastor's study ostensibly to seek advice about parenting. The pastor asked him, So tell me about your communication with your son. He says, oh, we talk. Okay, he quickly responded just last night. He told me he wanted a bicycle, and I told him to eat his beans. Sadly, the probably probably describes the extent of the amount of communication that takes place between fathers and children, not only outside of the church, but inside as well. Fatherhood has fallen on hard times these days. Why? Well, for many reasons, no doubt least because, uh, not least, because fathers no longer think about faithful fathering as the great calling 
of their lives and when God grants them children. Careerism, one of our many modern gods, drags away many a father. Or laziness or indifference. There are diversions and, uh, diversions and distractions aplenty to steal a father's time and energy until the vocation which he will want in the end to have fulfilled the most faithfully next to being a Christ-like husband will be the very thing that he did the least well. The word is addressed this morning, fathers, directly to you. When your end is near, when this brief breath, breath of life is quickly flown by and the years have disappeared like a mist that vanishes in the morning and you look back over your life, what is it, fathers? What is it that you will want to have done well? Will you want to have climbed just as high as you possibly can on the corporate ladder? Will it be the accumulation of piles of cash? Will it be the perfection of your golf swing? Will you want more than anything else to have driven in nice cars and the best house that money could buy, the newest house that you could afford or maybe not even afford? What, what is it when you, when we prepare to lay you to rest in the grave? What will you want to have done very, very well, you know what it is. You will want to have been a faithful father who set the example for, who disciplined and instructed your children well. It's that last one of the three that is given pride of place here in Genesis 18. I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. Now, the fathering that, that God describes here is not fathering for fathering's sake. It's, it's covenant fathering for the sake of the covenant's continuation in the next generation. That's the point. Remember, just before these words is recorded God's covenant with Abraham. So it's not simply a commanding for the sake of commanding. That's not covenant fathering either. Anyone can issue commands. Any man can bark out commands, even biblical commands. Now, this is communication with consequence, that he commands his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that, so that the Lord may bring about for Abraham what he's promised. It's the consequence, you see. Communication, command with consequence. That's what we have here, dear fathers. And, and when we bring Genesis 18 and Proverbs 3 together, as we have this morning, we find some very important lessons for ourselves about the communication that must take place between a Christian father and his covenant children. One of those lessons is that it must be deliberate. Instructing your children in the ways of the Lord and again, I say I'm talking to fathers, but this is true for mothers too. Instructing your children in the ways of the Lord, commanding them to obey the way of the Lord is not something that's going to happen on accident. This is something that it's going to require a deliberate work. It's planning. It's a deliberate thoughtfulness and effort. Sometimes that will mean doing exactly what we see here in Proverbs 3, setting specific time apart to 
set your children down to look into their eyes and to address them about the things of the Lord. Other times it will mean making a deliberate effort to speak to your children while you're on the fly, as we speak, as we say, when life is hurrying on, taking the time to instruct your children. Maybe turning off the radio as you're driving down Route 54 here and and looking at what's outside the car, the, the billboards, or what's going on in the next car over, or, or the stores, or, or whatever is going on. And whatever your eyes are meeting, to, <laughs> to take those as opportunities to teach. Maybe to ask them what questions they have about life. Maybe the ride can be redeemed, as I know some of you do, by catechizing your children and memorizing Scripture as the miles go by. You will know what it's how and what works best for your family. Sabbath rides home from church might be spent reviewing and discussing the sermon and how to apply it in the weeks ahead or in the week ahead. These words I command you today shall be on your heart, says the Lord, in that familiar passage from Deuteronomy 6. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In other words, fathers, instruct your children daily, hourly. Think of it this way, men. You are fathers and future fathers here. You are perfectly free from the duty and, and privilege. This is a privilege, a high, high privilege of instructing your children and speaking about the things of God at, at any time that you happen not to be either sitting or walking, standing, uh, sleeping, or uh, lying down or rising up. Other than that, you're absolutely free from this. But it's going to require deliberate effort, isn't it? It's, it on your part, hours, days, weeks, you know how this is. They slip by. And opportunities for a moment of instruction, for godly conversation with your children disappear, never to return. I, I shrugged my shoulders. I don't, know, I don't know how my children became adults. In a number of ways, I don't know how my children became adults under my care. But they became adults. Overnight! Overnight, my children were grown. Where did the years go? I can hardly believe it. Alas, how many golden opportunities I've squandered on useless, empty things in the past two and a half decades. Young fathers, please hear me. Take my word for this or the word of all of the rest of the fathers of adult children in this house of worship. The years disappear in an instant. Set apart time now to instruct your children. The table is an excellent opportunity to instruct your children talking over meals. They're gathered at that little uh, sanctuary of your table for supper or breakfast, whatever it is. Don't let that time slip by. Or bedtime, perhaps. Whatever it is. When, uh, the specific times hardly matter. Only let it be sometime, some meaningful time. And then it, let it also be all the time. All the time. Snatching up these providential moments along the road in the waiting room, in the parking lot. Snatch them up and redeem them. Fill them with divine import for your sons and your daughters. Second, let it be affectionate. Let it be affectionate. My... Son, 
he says, my son. Not, listen here, boy. Not what's the matter with you. My son. My son. My daughter. In connection with the baptisms we witnessed so often in this church, thank the Lord even more often of late, parents promise to pray with and for their children. And Bunyan has Christians say in Pilgrim's Progress that he prayed with and for his sons with much affection. Fathers, listen, you will not fail your children by showing them affection. You will never fail your children by showing them affection. The strongest men, the most courageous men, the most impressive men are the men whose other passions run just as deep as well. Affection for his children is one of them. Esther Edwards, the daughter of the brilliant pastor, theologian, Jonathan Edwards, isn't he... There's so many memories, uh, a hard man, not rightly so, but it is so, isn't it, sadly? Records in her journal on September 11, 1756, that she had spoken with her dad the night before about spiritual things and some doubts and some difficulties with which she was struggling in her own walk with the Lord. I opened my difficulties and he has freely advised and directed the conversation as removed some distressing doubts that discouraged me much in my Christian warfare. He gave me some excellent directions to be observed in secret that tend to keep the soul near to God. Oh, what a mercy to have such a father, such a guide. Children speak this way. whose parents treasure the souls of their sons and daughters and with much affection are always teaching them the way of the Lord. Third, fathers teach them directly. That is, teach them the general principles, of course, but teach them using clear examples. Watch for those teachable moments that will help them daily to consider what the commandments of God require. When they're fighting with their brother or or sister, snatch up that moment to teach them about greed, to uh, teach them how the Lord looks at the heart. I see this happen so much. Indeed, I did it way too much myself. I addressed my children only in the external. Stop hitting your brother or you'll have me to deal with. (laughs) Instead of, what's going on in your heart? Let's let's think about your heart. And let's think about the commandments of God and, and how the law searches our hearts. What does God have to say about this? Look for the opportunities that life is constantly handing you that the Lord is putting into your path to teach your children about sexuality and purity. Bearing in mind what is age appropriate, of course. The writer of the Proverbs was doing that too, wasn't he? Teach them to see what they see, to the realities behind what they see, and they are bombarded with Every day. Take some time on this 
this Sabbath afternoon, fathers, to open your Bibles and to read what a father should teach his son to see when he looks at that alluring seductress who will try to draw him one day into her bed with honey-dripping lips. Let him see her her feet. Let him see in his mind's eye her feet. Look at her feet, son. Where are they? Look at her feet. They're in the grave. Look scattered around her at the corpses she has left in her wake, son. And then give him a verbal glimpse of the beauty and the joy, the delight, the absolute captivation that he will find in the wife of his youth if he will remain satisfied with her breasts only and always and make her his delight. Oh, my, my son. Teach him what Simone Weil, the European philosopher, puts in this beautiful and pointed way that nothing is so beautiful, nothing so continually fresh and surprising, so full of sweet and perpetual ecstasy as the good. No desert so dreary, monotonous, and boring as evil. And that only in fantasy is it the other way around, son, daughter. Only in fantasy, only on TV, only in the stupid video games, only in the, in, in the, on the Facebook pages. Fantasy and the Facebook pages. Is it, the, is it the other way around? Fictional good is boring and flat, while fictional evil, oh, my, my, says Simone, is varied and intriguing and attractive and full of charm. Teach your sons and daughters to discern. Now, let me go on to say, fathers, let your instruction, your teaching, your commandments, let them be high. We err by setting our standards so low for our children. L- listen to the sort of things we should instruct our children to believe and to obey and to become. Verse 3, steadfast love and faithfulness. We'll come back to steadfast love tonight, as a matter of fact. That covenant-keeping love that marks their lives, must be the mark of their lives. Verse 5, trust in the Lord. Teach them to, to have a, yes, even your daughters, to have a masculine faith in the Lord, a strong trust in Him, a fear of the Lord, reverence to honor the Lord with their wealth. Yes, teach them how to handle their money and the wealth that God places in their hands. Teach them not to despise the Lord's discipline you see, it's, it's, it's one thing to instruct them to do their homework, isn't it? It's quite another to instruct them to do their homework as an act of love, of steadfast love and devotion to the Lord. Now do your uh, four-time scales and three-time scales and ten-time scales. To the glory of God! Learn your spelling as an act of faithfulness to your covenant-keeping God. It's one thing for them to pray for a desired toy. 
It is quite another if you will teach them to pray, to learn that the Lord should give them only what will help them to be faithful to him. And to withhold anything, Lord, from me. Don't give me anything that would cause me to stray from you. Teach your children to pray that way. It's one thing to instruct them to obey their parents. It's quite another for them to do so because they fear the Lord. It's one thing to tell them to put a penny in the offering plate. It's quite another to teach them that the first tenth of everything that comes into your pocket goes straight to the Lord because it's His. It's one thing to teach them not to complain about the spanking they're about to receive. It's quite another for them to embrace that discipline, to kiss the rod as God's own loving discipline to them. We sell our children so short. We sell them short when we do not teach them such high and noble kingdom terms. But how else will they learn the Christian life is a life of such dignity and weightiness and importance of of deep self-sacrifice, of dying to themselves every day to all that is self and bringing all of life into captivity, all of their thoughts captive to Christ in a godly and, and, and heavenly and worthy life of the children of God unless they hear these things from you men. Fathers, I will go so far as to say this to you, as much as your children hear your voice speaking about them, about these things, they hear God's voice. Let me insert here quickly, by the way, I can see, I can look out in this congregation and see those of you who are not fathers and of physical children and will never be fathers of physical children, perhaps. Look around this room and think about the vows you've made to these children in this room to set an example of godliness and faithfulness, to pray for them. Men, you are fathers in this room, to these children all around you. Let them learn these things from you as well. Don't be afraid. Indeed, please. And our young fathers here will not, will not deny you, will indeed plead with you to do it. Come alongside these children and, and speak to them a word of instruction about the Lord as well. Well, back to the point I was making, this this is God's voice. This is God's voice speaking to them. Alexander White, with keen insight, put it this way, a child's father is much more than a mere father to him. White said, his father is both his father and his God to every child. A little child cannot rise above his father. He cannot. He cannot see beyond his father, a little child. To every child, his father is the man of all men to him on earth or in heaven. There is nothing his father cannot do for him if he pleases. There's no strength, no resource, no nobleness, no wisdom with which every child's own father is not endowed. The young heart that will not, will yet rise to the love and the adoration of its father in heaven for a long time knows him only by his paternoster name. And in all this, Earthly fathers learn their craft from God. 
For God for a long time clothes every father on earth with all his own attributes and prerogatives and duties and dues. The divine throne, the divine scepter, the divine sword, all of these are as as much as made over to every man's hand into whose house a little child is born. And white is right, isn't he? Of course he is. Fathers, your children will hear their heavenly Father's voice when they hear your voice instructing them, commanding, directing them in all truth and with all affection. What a place to be, to be God's voice, to be God to your children. Oh, gentlemen. And so I end where I began. Fathers, it must be deliberate. You you must decide today that in your voice, they will hear your fathers, their fathers, their heavenly father's voice. You must take the time to instruct, to teach, to speak to your children the things of God, no matter the sacrifice to your own comfort. You might have to rearrange things. Uh, you might uh, have to... Uh, Put some things on hold or even deny yourself some things. Even give up some things to make sure that this is the case. Whatever it is, do it, fathers, to communicate with your children with instruction, command, exhortation, comfort, encouragement, rebuke, correction, with compassion, with love, time. For in so doing, you imitate your father who is in heaven. His study had two doors. This is Alexander, uh, Archibald Alexander Hodge and uh, the writing of his biography of his great uh, Princeton theologian father, Charles Hodge. As busy as Charles Hodge must have been to have produced such voluminous materials as still guide our thinking today on matters biblical and theological, yet his study had two doors, one opening toward the seminary for the convenience of the students, and a second one opening inward into the main hall of the home. Hence his study was always the family thoroughfare through which children, boys and girls, young and old, and after them grandchildren, went in and out for work and play. When he was too lame to open the door, and afterward when he was too busy to be interrupted by that action, he took the latch from the doors and he caused them to swing in obedience to gentle springs so that the least child might toddle in at will unhindered. He prayed for us all at family prayers and singly and taught us to pray at his knees with such soul-felt tenderness that however bad we were, our hearts melted to his touch. Fathers, hardly anything is designed, better designed to bring you greater reward in this life and better contribution to the kingdom of God and its advancement. In my, it occurs to me that many a minister and missionary needs to remember this as well than to take the time, to make the time to instruct your children, to command them 
to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to you what he has promised, sons and daughters who love him above all, with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who love their neighbors as themselves, and who bring gladness to their fathers' hearts. Amen.